Bob Beck. Bob is the founder of the House of Adonai. Um, it is a 12-step uh, faith-based recovery house down in Kensington area, right there around the Bridge Street, Bridge Street Transportation area there and all. And um, if you're interested in knowing more about his ministry, back there in the window, um, there are some of his uh, flyers and a business card back there, so you can pick one up as you leave and, and all. Um, I first met Bob several years ago. At a Labor Day retreat where we were doing that with Cornerstone Community Church, and these guys showed up. They, um, we, uh, our people um, enjoyed them immediately, and um, we made friendships among them, and Bob and I have been friends ever since. I've wanted to have him up, and this just seemed like a really good time, you know, to have him come and introduce his ministry for the Christmas holiday for when we did the stuff with the guys. By the way, I just want to tell you, you know, the baskets that all of you do for Christmas for the guys? Well, you know, remember we had them all up here, and so we went downstairs, and they ate the meal that you guys made for them and everything, and then they came back up. And Steve had set up chairs up here and had the, all the chairs here and moved the baskets over here, and then we explained to the guys what was in the baskets and stuff. And when we said, okay, you know, they were so excited to get to go and have one of those baskets. I mean, it looked like an Easter egg hunt with addicts and, and, you know, isn't that true, Bob? Yeah, it looked like an Easter egg hunt with a bunch of addicts. And they were like, you know, running up there toward the baskets. And they really, really appreciated um, the gift that you guys gave them. And so we're really happy to do that and we look forward to doing it again next year. Really glad to have Bob with us today. Really glad to have him preaching from Psalms. And so just come on up, Bob, and, have, and this is yours. I think they're going to start the video. Everybody out there, despite their claims to the contrary, knows perfectly well that God exists. So today, I'm uh, 54 years old, and uh, life's been good for the last 17 years, uh, clean and sober and rocking with Jesus, and... uh, Life before that was pretty crazy. You know, wow, I was a a junkie, a drunk, and my life was upside down. Trying to raise a family and uh, failed miserably. Tried to work in the workforce, failed miserably, and uh, I ended up at an AA meeting. And uh, in AA, uh, doing the 12 steps, uh, I found Jesus at step three. It's... it says that uh, turn your life into the world over to care of God as you understand him. And uh, I figured if I'm going to do that, I need to find out who this God is. And uh, that's when my life began to change. Uh, I uh, started seeking out different churches, and, and uh, uh, I found a church that uh, I enjoyed, uh, did an altar call, and uh, asked Christ into my life. And, uh, man... It was it was different after that, and uh, you know, moving moving from being a, a a biker gangster kind of guy into walking a Christian walk was a real difficult. You know, learning how not to sock somebody but to love somebody, uh, not to uh, uh, use all the four letter words and talk to somebody in love was uh, was a struggle in the beginning. And, uh, you know, I needed to find people to show me how to walk a Christian walk and to be mentored into, into that, discipled into that. I thought once I had Jesus in my life and I became free that everything was going to be peachy keen and groovy and, and easy. And that's not true. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us that a brother is born for adversity. And uh, 
that's what my life gets sometimes. Uh, I'm in the struggle. And I understand that it's all about the storm. It's either I'm coming into the storm, I'm in the storm, or I'm coming out of the storm. Uh, but the cool thing is, uh, God sees me through the storm. Uh, so that's made the difference. Before, I would feel like I was uh, in a boxing match, and I'd be in round number nine and uh, not hear the bell in between rounds, and I would get beat down. And my only escape was to go into the world and what the world had to offer. Uh, today, my escape would be moving into what Jesus and what Jesus has to offer. You know, I, I say this, and, and I laugh a lot of times when I say it, and that's probably because I want to deflect my true feelings. I, I want people to think I'm still a hardcore, tough guy. But, you know, if Jesus can love a whacked-out, tattooed biker freak like me, he can love anybody. And I'm grateful that he chose me to, to be set free from addiction, to, to learn how to be a dad. And, uh, you know, I thought it was too late, but I'm learning how to be a dad, learning how to be a husband. And I, I fail at so many things that God continues to teach me. God continues to put people in my path. So um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that in Psalms 40, it says that God pulled me out of the muck and the mire of yesterday. He put my feet on firm, solid rock. And that he orders my footsteps. And uh, I, I just want to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. I don't need to be patted on the back. I don't need to be primped up. I don't have to be told I'm an attaboy. When God calls me, I want to be able to roll. That's the scoop. That God exists. Wow, that's a hard guy to follow. <laughs> so, for real, <clears throat> I don't preach in a church too often. I'm usually in prison or on the street or in my ministry, so it's kind of rough standing up here. I clean up pretty good. That's the guy I usually am. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had I had something put together at Psalms 27 today, but God just moved it in my heart. And uh, so Psalms 51 really rocks my boat. Like, I, I think it, if you were here right before Christmas, we talked about, like, for me, the Psalms is like doing, uh, I don't know if you ever got into the WWF when Hulk Hogan was doing his thing, and uh, he would get beat down, and he'd be in the corner, and all of a sudden you see him doing that, and ripping his shirt off, and, you know, then he's comes out rumbling. Well, that's what the Psalms do for me with, with Jesus, you know, when I'm getting beat down and I, uh, I can cry out to him and he pulls me through that. And I become, I come through that uh, victorious only because of him, you know, but, uh, and, and it's awesome. But you know, uh, I, I said it like that in Psalms 40, that he did pull me out of the muck and mire of yesterday, and he put my feet on firm, solid rock and and in that, he set me free. But there was a whole lot of things to clean up and being set free because of the lifestyle that I lived. You know, it sounded really groovy that some preacher standing up in, in church or when I was in prison, some, some dude came in and told me that uh, my new identity in Christ would be uh, that I'm not that guy anymore, that, that the old things were stripped away, that I'm a new creation in him. And that all sounded groovy, but you know what? On the inside of him, I couldn't live that. There was no way that that happened. There was like, uh, God, God forgave eight of those ten sins that I had. I only had ten. I don't know about you guys. But he forgave eight of those sins. But he couldn't forgive the last two. And those last two really had me jacked up. 
And then some other preacher would tell me, well, you know, they got the Ten Commandments, and if you break one of them, it's like you broke them all. I'm like, ah, well, I'm really messed up (laughs) because (laughs) I cleaned up Avon, but I still got two that aren't clean. And, uh, you know, I was really stuck there. And uh, so, you know, in being mentored and being discipled and, uh, and, and beginning to understand that there were some things to do in my life. And number one was that um, really before I could really seek forgiveness and truly believe that forgiveness was uh, possible in my life, was that, uh, because that's a two-edged sword. It really is. If, if you can't forgive somebody, there's no way you can truly believe that you're forgiven. And, uh, and, and I think we all, I don't care if you're from the burbs or from, from down in the hood, we all realize uh, that we walk around and like David did for all that time after uh, Bathsheba, he walked around playing the game of king and playing the cool God guy, but uh, he was dying inside. And I think we all know that feeling. You know, we all know what it feels like to put the front on. Smile, go to work. How you doing? I'm fine. You know what fine, well, I can't tell you what fine means, but it's certainly not anything good if you use it as an acronym. <laughs> so it's cool, Pastor Tim. I didn't go there. <laughs> but, 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 you know, uh, uh, so I, I needed to learn how to uh, forgive so I could understand my forgiveness. You know, and uh, so, you know, when I was young, I had some crazy things happen to me. I was molested in a boarding school. My dad died. You know, uh, my, da- my mom passed away when I was incarcerated myself. And so I had a, a few, just those a few struggles right there to be able to, like, move into this thing, you know. And, uh, you know, when they told me that God was my heavenly father and all that, I, I had nothing to relate to. Nothing. I grew up without a dad. I'm not... I'm not saying poor me. He died when I was five. You know, <clears throat> my mom didn't remarry. She taught me how to box, how to dance, how to put dippity do in my hair with a big 5-0, Hawaii 5-0 wave, you know. But, uh, hey, I can dance too. She taught me good. But, but you know, I, I needed to, like, uh, forgive my dad and then forgive God in that. Like for a long time, I didn't realize that I had a beef with God. And it wasn't like I had like a resentment you could see or hold on to. Somewhere in the back of my head, I knew God was going to roll on me, just like my dad did. He was going to roll on me when the chips were down and things were tough. And, I, and somewhere I believed. So I heard what the preacher man said, but I didn't hear what he was saying, you know, and I walked out of there with the goosebumps and the feeling groovy and all that stuff. But when I got home and life showed up, for me, God didn't show up. I didn't allow him. I didn't invite him. I couldn't feel him uh, when the goosebumps went, he went, you know. And uh, it, it was a drag. And, and then I heard, you know, and I told you I was molested in a boarding school. And uh, that kind of like whacked out my thinking and put me on the wrong path for a while, long while. But... You know, uh, I needed to forgive this guy. And uh, that was really difficult because I thought, well, we all saw the movie Sleepers, right? That's how I was going to operate, just like that. And uh, I thought if I forgave this person, that meant that he got away with it, that uh, he wouldn't be punished, and and he needed to pay for what happened. And, uh, you know, uh, through counseling, through talking about it, 
uh, and, and uh, praying about it and people just guiding me. And, uh, you know, I prayed in disbelief. I did what I was told to do and not believing it would work. And you know what? God showed up large and it worked. Then I was able to forgive that person and, and move on in my life. And then I was able to, to, to experience what, so I had a piece of understanding what being forgiven was. You know, I gave a little something up and I got a little something. And there was, there was more things to learn to forgive in there. You know, I really needed to, I don't know if you're familiar with the 12-step process, but there's a fourth step in the 12-step process that, that you do an inventory of yourself, you know, and who do you have resentments with? Well, I had to put me at the top of that list. I had a big resentment with Bob, and I, le- I had to learn how to forgive myself. And, and so I was stuck. I was stuck there, you know, like I heard God forgive me. I kind of played the game of believing that he forgave me, and I moved along like, you know, how David did for that year, playing, playing the game. But, uh, um, you know, I still, I still couldn't forgive me. I was stuck in this thing of, um, I, so I don't want to faith bash or, 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 or denomination bash, but like I grew up in Catholic, right? So, so I, I had to pay penance. I had to like put the whip on myself and how long was enough enough? How long, how much of a price did I really have to pay to really have this forgiveness that Jesus was talking about? And I got lost in that for a while. And I had glimpses of freedom, but then life showed up. And I would say, oh, well, you know, you're not good enough. You don't measure up. Man, if people, if you saw me underneath with all my tattoos and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I had a big tattoo in my stomach. It used to say something else to the world. And, and when I got baptized, I had a white T-shirt on. Everybody could see what it said. And I was like, <laughs> I, I guess it wasn't too cool. Uh, so now I have a big tattoo that says 100% saved. It used to say 100% something else. But now it says 100% saved, like that big to cover up what was there. Well, <laughs> I was a painful one, so <laughs> I was, that was my penance. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I began to for, be able to forgive myself. And, uh, and, and that's an ongoing process because, you know, the devil, he can't tempt me with anything new. And I don't think he can tempt anybody else in, in the congregation here with something new. He can only tempt me with what I gave him. So all the time, he says, Bob, you're not good enough. Bob, you don't measure up. You know, Bob, remember when you did this uh, or you stole your brother's car or you stole all the Christmas gifts and you took them down there and you cashed them in to go get another one. And, and you know, uh, that was, that's rough. And I think about that and he wants to take my focus off of God. And I do my best not to give him that power. And the only way that I cannot give him that power is to say, you know, you're right, dude. I was the guy. I was that guy. Yeah, I did do that stuff. But you know what? Today I don't. Today I don't. You know, in in, in preaching and understanding God, you know, Paul said, and then Jesus also said, but Paul says in his letters, he says, grace and peace, right? Jesus said, my grace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, right? So, now if I didn't say that right, Pastor Tim, I have to clean that up. But I, I think that's how he said it, right? Now, that's another double-edged sword. 
How do you feel God's peace? For me, peace would be that I wouldn't have a heavy heart. Uh, My mind's not going 90 miles an hour. I don't feel like I have the whole weight of the world on my shoulders. I believe that I'm not that person that I used to be. Those things for me are God's peace, right? Uh, But I I can never get into God's peace until I can truly grasp his grace. That he loved me when I was that cat. You know, sticking a gun in somebody's face. Shooting somebody to take his wild to who get another one. Like I said, uh, stealing all kinds of things. It, it, it was crazy. If it wasn't nailed down, I was taking it. And, and to believe that God loved me when I was that guy. Now, I'm sure nobody out there has a testimony like that. I'm not trying to say, I'm not giving that any credit whatsoever. But I'm saying that God loved me in that. And, and to think about that is really crazy. It, it just blows, it's, it blows my mind that God loved me when I was a bum. And he kept calling me, yo, brother man, come on home. Come on home. And, uh, you know, I continually have to go to what his grace is. That, that he loves me when I was nuts and when I'm not so nuts. That he continues to call me home. That he continues to call me son. That when I look in the mirror with eye-to-eye contact, what do I see? Now, maybe this is something you do tomorrow when you're brushing your chiclets and you're looking in the mirror and, and you say, you say, you look at and you, and you ask. God says, how does God see each one of us? He sees us as his son, a spotless lamb. Do you believe that? Do you buy into that? What's stopping you from having that new identity? You know, for me, it was unforgiveness. And then forgiveness. You know, uh, how could God love a cat like me? And all those things run through my head. You know, uh, I, used, I would think that life was different up here in the suburbs than it is in a city. And you know what? I found out it's not. It's it just different people learn how to hide their things different ways. They cover them up differently. They dress a little finer. They talk a little better. Whatever it is. They have a better job, you know, uh, Everybody just had a smile and just say, yeah, you know? And uh, are we dying inside? Are we dying inside? You know, we all know in this room, whether you're a Jesus freak or not, whether you believe in Christ or not, whether you just play church, you come here on Sunday or not, uh, whether you're really sold out, we all know that prayer works. We all know that. God says that he's always faithful and just to answer a broken and contrite heart, Right? And I know, even before I came to know Jesus, that when I was getting locked up and I'd say, God, get me out of this, I'll never do it again. You know, he got me out of that. And it never dawned on me that I needed to give God the credit. I always gave like the cool lawyer that I paid off or my rap or something, the credit other than God. But, you know, I look back and I say, God worked. He showed up when I truly needed him. I know I truly meant it at that time. I wasn't playing no game. I wasn't fronting on God. I was like, God, if you get me out of this one, uh, I'll never do it again. And I was good for a while. I'd be cool for a little bit. But, I, I, you know, by default, I always went back to who I was. Uh, now, uh, f- for the people that know computers, I don't. You know, you got that default thing. It, go, it just keeps going back to it. You know, uh, if I don't stay plugged in to the Word, if I don't continue to hang out with other people 
uh, that are trying to walk a godly walk, then by default, I'm going back to be the guy that I used to be. It may take a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, but it's a, it's a guarantee that I'm going back to that guy. You know, so, uh, you know, I have to, like I said, I, we're going to dance around here a little bit. Well, I only have a couple minutes left, but I need to learn how to forgive, to be forgiven. Okay, I still have to do that today. I can still walk along and not have forgiveness for somebody. And once again, I, I begin to feel like I'm not forgiven. You know, I have to do what Psalms number one tells me from the beginning. I, I, I can't hang out with people that are ungodly. If I'm standing around at work, or at the coffee shop, or at the 7-Eleven, or uh, wherever it is, at the basketball court, the soccer field, uh, whether you're male or female. If I'm hanging out and somebody's telling off-color jokes, if somebody's talking about some stuff, or, or if they're cussing on the side, I, look, I'm a firm believer if you hang out with hum, hubcap stealers long enough, you become a hubcap stealer, whether you want to or not. So I'm called that I can't hang out with those people. They're no good for me. Not, not that they're no good. They're no good for me because I'm going to start doing that stuff again and it's going to pull me right back over. And, and, and you know, I have to continue to meditate, think about what God has to say and how to operate like that. Hopefully, what I try to do is if I get around people that are cussing, I, I don't tell them, oh, you can't cuss, you know, but they might want to fight after that. So I say, hey, look, man, I'm really trying to stop cussing and I need your help. When you're doing it, it sucks me into wanting to do it. So, hey, when I'm hanging out, man, can you, can you not cuss around me? Because I, I need your help. And all of a sudden, it, it, takes, it, it, it changes that focus there. And, and they, yeah, I got you, man. And, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you guys got to keep giving them the look, you know. But, hey, if you're younger and you're hanging out with people, and, and, and I, know what it, I know what it's like to feel like, oh, I don't fit in. They'll think I'm a square or uh, I'll be the outcast at the water fountain, you know. Hey, hey. Jesus said, count the cost. Now, I don't know if you guys grew up hanging in a gang or grew up hanging in a gang, but before I came into the gang, they said, count the cost. It's all in or all out. And Jesus says the same thing. He says either you're all in or you're all out. And like pa- Pastor, uh, no, no, when we were doing the, the communion, he said, uh, do you want to go up there and stand at heaven, knock at the pearly gate, and Pete lets you in, and you, and, and you say, hey, God, what's happening? And you say, uh, Hey, like I, I, I made the blind to see. I raised the dead. I healed the sick. Uh, uh, and God says, get away from me. I don't know who you are. Wow. That's pretty scary when you think about it, that I was just a good boy and I can't get into heaven. You know, I said it when I was up here a couple weeks ago. Uh, do we play church? Are we playing church, coming to church? And, and look, if it doesn't apply, you let it fly. But are you out there telling someone about the love of Jesus Christ? Are you telling somebody at work about the love of Jesus Christ? You know, it's, it says that, that uh, how do you think this thing grows? If I'm not telling somebody about the love of Jesus Christ, and you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. And, you know, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, I can't do that. I can, I can quote, but I can't tell you the addresses. But... Uh, you know, I know that in Revelations in chapter 10, and verse 12, I know that. It says it's a testimony of my heart that sets the devil to flee. And it's my testimony to telling other people what Christ did in my life invites them into something new. 
It's not that I'm a, a theologian and I can quote the Bible. There, there's, there's a time and a place for that. You know, it's probably cool to be able to tell somebody, hey, if you checked out this, it may help you what you're feeling right now. You know, are you praying for somebody at work or, or are you that person that says, hey, can I pr- I'll put you on my prayer list. And do you ever pray for them when you get at home? I, I hope you do. Uh, I usually don't, you know. So I try to pray for them right there because I don't want to be a liar. Because I know when I get moved and I get these blinders on and dinner's not ready when I get home and I got to go to the gym and then I got to go preach at the, at the prison tonight and, and I forget all about gym. And I walk in the next morning and say, yeah, I had you on my prayer list last night. And then I'm sitting there having coffee going, I can't believe I just told that dude that, man. I didn't even pray for him. I should pray for him. God can't love me. Oh, my God. You know, so I, I personally pray for him right there so I don't forget about it. And I don't like do it on the street corner. But I just lean in and shake his hand. You know, uh, I did that for a guy. I, I, I ride with the sons of God, and we have a, prison, we have a biker ministry. And this guy's a big wig with one of those outlaw clubs, and he talks to me a lot. And uh, so I asked him if I could pray for him. He said, yeah. So I ra- grabbed his hand, leaned over, and started praying. He goes, man, what are you trying to get me killed in front of my brother? I said, oh, man, I'm just talking in your ear, you know. But, but you know, I, I have to pray right then. So I, I got to wrap this up. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to have a testimony. I'm grateful to be able to share uh, you know, I had Psalms 27 all lined up, but God was just laying on my heart. This, to, to, he changed everything sitting back there, and just I didn't know communion was going to happen. And just to begin to understand that why don't I feel forgiven today? And, and what do I need to do to walk in forgiveness? And the invitation is that I need to learn how to forgive in order to, to forgive, you know? So... Uh, you know, the house of Adonai, we always need support. I'm, I, and I'm not going to even say anything about financial. We always do that. But we need people that want to come down and maybe be a mentor. We also have a woman's home. So uh, a couple of gals had come to talk to me when we were up here having that, that uh, lunch that day. Uh, and men, so men and women, young guys, older guys, whatever guys, ladies, same thing, that we need mentors down there for, for the guys and the gals. And... Um, Always can use a hand on uh, fixing things up. If you have a men's, um, a men's group up here that you do different things in the community. Uh, I know our community is a little further down. Uh, we'll let you park in the back drive so you don't have to worry about your car getting stolen or something. <laughs> we'll escort you back out if you're afraid. So uh, Pastor Tim comes in, we take his stickers off. <laughs> but... Uh, so we invite you to come on down and see what we're about. I did leave some literature. We also have a website that you can go on. We do a big thing with people getting out of jail. Uh, back. Uh, uh, um, oh, I just lost the word that I wanted to say. But they're coming back into the community. So if you know somebody's incarcerated, you can have them write us a letter, and we'll correspond with them and send them some literature. We'll send them some information and questions to ask and see if they're a right fit for our, our house, if we're a right fit for them. You know, so there's a lot of ways to get involved. Uh, so I, I invite you to do that. Uh, I invite you to go out and take Christ to the street. You know, that's the only way that, that we're going to be able to turn things around. And, and I invite you to continue to pray for transformation, for things to happen, uh, and that this world will turn around. You know, the Bible says it's only going to get worse. How are we going to stand in the middle of it getting worse, you know? I hope that I have the courage if somebody sticks a, a, a knife or a sword or a gun to my face and says, 
is it Jesus or die, uh, that I had the courage to say, I love Jesus. Uh, you know, I don't like to talk in hypotheticals, but I, I hope I can hit him once and then say, I love Jesus. <laughs> yeah, for putting a gun in my face. Anyway, uh, let's pray.